Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, near or far, high or low, you're listening to the Coach D Podcast. And listeners, I've got a very special, accomplished guest who's, I can't lie, she, she's been to a whole lot of countries. There's one country that I'm going to say in particular, and listeners, I'm going to let you know in advance, when we start speaking about this country that she visited it's gonna have nothing to do with basketball this is just gonna be i'm gonna be completely selfish but before we get into that listeners you know how we do on the coach d podcast so let's introduce them the right way so let's introduce this athlete the right way let me get my commentator voice on <clears throat> stepping on the court standing at five foot eight by way of springfield gardens new york a guard who in high school earned first team all Manhattan and first team all state as a junior. She was named the Manhattan Player of the Year as well as being named the ESPN Rise National Invitational All-Star Team. In college, she recorded a thousand points, her 19th CSU career scoring list where she was ranked and she is now a professional having played overseas in Germany, Luxembourg, Finland, Morocco and has recently played in Egypt. Listeners, please give a warm welcome, stepping on the court, New York's own Corey Coleman. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I mean, before we even get started, Corey, talk to me uh, right now. Um, how is your physical and your mental? Um, It's pretty good. It's a lot better than, you know, starting out in COVID, coming after, you know, Germany, having a rough season going into COVID and quarantine and stuff. So that was pretty tough. But now, you know, I'm back in shape. Um, I'm playing all these summer league tournaments, pro-ams, mm-hmm. and... I'm heading back overseas next month, so I, I feel pretty good. And and a huge congrats on your new signed and finding a new home. So that must be a, a, a huge opportunity yeah. for you. And and just before we even get to that, talk to me, because I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I, I'm quite hyped to talk to someone from uh, New York. Because I mean, <laughs> I, I, I kind of say this all the time, like, especially here in London, just in terms of you know, obviously the NBA being huge we we kind of get two different styles of basketball you know we get the la style which is you know like the palm trees you got everyone's getting a suntan everyone's in their flip-flops cool calm casual player that's gonna occasionally trash talk but then you got the new york no blood no foul you got the rocker we're grimy we're gonna you know talk that trash but we're gonna back it up with some ball handling skills so for yourself just before we speak about all the, the all the accomplishments that you have and just the player that you are today if you could just kind of take us back to you know where you was and and who was that person that put the basketball in your hands um okay well i'm from uh, queens new york you know um new york we're called the concrete jungle because we have so many basketball courts and parks all over the place um i live right around the corner from a park called the bellow and okay. i have an older brother and there's a there were a bunch of guys in the block and you know you either play jump rope with the girls or you play football and basketball with the guys <laughs> the girls the girls will play jump rope for maybe like you know 20 30 minutes and then they're just you know on a stoop hanging out <laughs> right. and then the guys the guys you know, and stuff. So um, 
definitely took a liking to playing, but my brother, of course, he's a couple years older than me, and he wouldn't let me play until I became good. So, oh, um, wow. Definitely okay. took pride and took a lot of pride in, like, oh, I want to get on this court. I want to play with the guys. You know, I belong there. I loved it. And playing with the guys, it got me pretty tough. Um, they're older, you know, I was the only girl in the court. I didn't want to be, you know, the weak link. So that's where I got the, you know, the jump shot and the defense and everything just came together there. Man, so just, just talk to me about like, what, what makes New York, New York, if that makes sense. Like just in terms of the culture, some of the stuff that you was being exposed to from a young age, because I, I don't feel like, you know, they don't, it's not just the, the toughness that is reflected in the basketball play, but there's people in general, whether they're doing a regular nine to five or if they're a athlete, you can always tell, not just the accent, but 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 just how they act, how they approach certain things. Like, okay, this person is definitely from New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, New Yorkers will separate us from everyone is definitely um, the people. Mm -hmm. um, New York is very confident, you know, like, um, no, we have the no one could beat us mentality. No one's better than us mentality. We don't care who you are, where you're from, you know, we don't care if you're LeBron, like you step on the court with us, <laughs> we're, we're so. the same person. Yeah, yeah, I we're the same it. person. So I, I think, I think that's what separates from us from the bunch, like, uh, we, we don't back down from anybody and, uh, we bring it with our game and then, you know, we add a little, you know, spice with the trash talk, so I love there it. There we go, there we go, of course. <laughs> Of course, and I mean, sugar, I mean, New York is rich in basketball culture. And I mean, I've heard right. so many stories about the Rucker Park and, and j just the overall hype and even having the Kobe, KD coming down. Like that's, the, the Rucker Park holds a lot of rich heritage, but I just love yep. the fact that like you, I mean, if you're a hooper, like you you have to slide into rocker park and and you know just to get the full vibe of it so just in terms of what you was exposed to how would you describe the basketball culture growing up in new york um well the basketball culture in new york like rocker park we have dykeman we have yes. gersh now and we, before you know i don't know if you guys know much about and one and one was a bunch of street ball players yes, sir. They Skip couldn't to my loop. Yeah, yep, the pharmacist. Yes, professor. sir. Yes, sir. But, you know, that was a lot of a kosher. Like, we wanted to get the nickname and we wanted to get on the court. We wanted the mic to hype us up. You know, we had the mic guy. You know, <laughs> you want to you you earn your nickname and you want to prove, you know, to, to everyone that you're good and you can play on concrete. You can take a hit. You can score with the wind going by, the sun in your face. <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's definitely, it's a definitely a lot. So now we have NBA players who's like, you know, they're trying to prove themselves beyond being in the NBA already. So that just says a lot right there. Right, right. Oh my goodness, man. And j just in terms of how would you describe, especially, you know, from a very younger age, what is the player development like? Like, is it a fine balance of they're teaching you the skills as well as decision making or do they kind of tend to focus on one skill than the other see so nowadays it's different from when i was coming up now they have okay. trainers and okay. stuff like that you only got better at the park so right. for me i wasn't taught much i was just i get on the court with the guys they say don't miss a shot 
play defense, you'll stay on the court. You know what okay, I mean? So sure. now, now it's like, okay, like how do I get my shot? They stay in, like, you know, and then now I have a quick release because I get blocked by the guys. They're so much more athletic. They're so much bigger than me. Right. So it's definitely the more you play, you know, you play against people who are better than you and then they, they better you, you know? You see it. You yeah. got me a little bit too hot right now. I feel like I just want to jump on a plane and check out this record park right now because I feel like, you, you got know, to. like w when I fly over there, I'll be like, yeah, so where you from? Yeah, I'm from London. Okay, that's what's up. But can you hoop though? Oh yeah, all right, all right, cool. Yeah. Show me, show me like, you better, hey, don't miss now, don't miss because you're going to be on they'll that laugh platform. At you. So yeah, they'll, they'll you. laugh at you. Yeah, they'll laugh at you. Oh for my sure. goodness. Now, I mean, in high school you being recognized for your skill very early on i mean you know you was the first team all manhattan how would you describe um you know kind of what you learn in the park versus you know making that transition into high school basketball where things aren't 100 percent organized but you're kind of playing in somewhat of a system so how would you say your skills developed in high school but also how did you handle that exposure playing at the high school level as well yeah so transitioning on to high school i played for murray bertram high school we were the best in the country we were number one in the country oh, talk, at one talk. Point. Come on now. yeah yeah we're <laughs> state champions you know yes, undefeated sir. Yes, so sir. you know it, it came with a lot so the way is the way i i see basketball because I, I love basketball so much you get in where you fit in so like whatever they needed me to do i was going to do but at the same time now we're practicing for hours out of the day because everyone's coming for us so um the transition wasn't too bad i mean my first year i was on the bench for like the entire season okay. but you know i learned that practice you know like hey you're not in the game because you're not doing this you're not in the game because you're not doing that and it's like all right cool like i'm, I'm definitely going to be doing it next so like it's all about being coachable and being able to again get in where you fit in you see you just mentioned something well two um huge things that stood out to me was one the ability to be coachable you know that's one thing that's huge and two I mean people don't realize you know when you're at the top when you're that championship high school team there's a lot of people that are coming for your neck and that yep. motivation and that discipline to stay at the top I mean how would you describe because I mean the the biggest thing that I've kind of realized um just looking at coaches and athletes and just you know social media now um a lot of players or people looking on you, you know wanna focus on your games rather than hearing about your scrimmages you know like they they would rather see you holding up the trophy or that medal but they don't understand the unseen grind that got them to that point so for yourself especially earlier on how was you managing one staying at the top but two kind of just talk about the unseen grind that maybe some of the opponents or people didn't see Right, so um, definitely um, everyone was coming for us and you know, it's a lot of sacrifices that needs to be made. Mm -hmm. And for me, I took a train two hours to school and two hours back, so that's a four hour commute every day. So I had to leave my house at five in the morning to make it to class. Then I have practice after, I get home at 11.30 and I have to do homework, I still have to eat dinner, I still have to shower. Jeez. I go to sleep at 12.30 a.m. and I'm up at five o'clock again because I have to make it to class every day. And on the weekends, we practice at 7 a.m. but the trains are slower and you have to leave at 5 a.m. on the weekends, you know? So um, it's, it, was, it was tough. So commuting there, then we have practice. Then we have to travel to our games. Our games are even more further out. So on game days, I'm not getting home until 2 a.m. 
and we're all yeah and we're all teenagers too so we're not college students we're not adults like i'm 15 16 on the train right. hiking it hours out the day and then having to wake up and do it all over again you know so a lot of people don't know that's just a lot of sacrifice there i'm missing birthday parties and all types of things man you see and all uh, you see that's that that holds testament to just how much you love the game how much you live right. and breathe and just again i mean that just shows your purpose in basketball is huge so when was that moment you really wanted to focus on basketball like what was some of the contributing factors that made you really want to lock into this sport um well i will say my sophomore year in high school um i hung out the wrong crowd i got in trouble and um, I was playing, I was trying out for a new AAU team and they didn't really have a spot, but they gave me that spot. I went to the tournament. I had to play with the older girls. Um, I got on the court, got my five minutes of fame. And next thing you know, I have colleges just sending me letters. And I was like, wow, I can go to school for free. I can do this, I can do that. Like, this is great. Like, I can't wait. So I think that was a turning point for me. I'm just like, yeah, like, you know, New York is easy to get into things in New York. So when I, when I saw that I can go to college, I could be a college student, you know, you see college on TV, you know, university for, you know, us Americans. So I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait to experience it. I think that was a a turning point for me. Right. Right, you see, and, and that's that's something that I've realized a lot, and I'm very curious to get your take on it because I guess I didn't realize this until this was back in 2017, where I was fortunate enough to be the uh, head coach for the London region, and we had to go up to Manchester to play against um, other teams, and it was interesting because you kind of start to learn that even though the whole world plays basketball, everyone teaches it and plays it completely different and then you start hearing okay this person is from here you can tell because they play like this then you start hearing stereotypes so from what i heard about i mean this is back then i had no clue what people in manchester or overseas think about london basketball now but they would say oh i can tell he's from london because you know they only make street ballers or they can only do a killer crossover but they can't work in a um offensive system when i heard that i was like oh really okay yeah. say less so in that i'm telling you corey in that team huddle i was so high. i was like, all right fellas here's what we're gonna do we're gonna show them how we play, but also we're gonna play organized team basketball, backdoor cuts, on time, on target passes, stuff like that. But for yourself, especially when you started to travel a little bit further away from home and you're playing in these tournaments, you're playing in these matches, was you getting um, that impression of, oh, is, is, is this how they uh, categorize Hoopers from New York? Um, no, actually, because I'm actually a really good shooter. Okay. In New York, no one can shoot. Like, I'm telling you, because it's park ball, the wind, everyone's driving to the basket and and doing killer crossovers. But people can tell I'm from New York by my attitude on the court. I'm very competitive. Um, I'm taking it up. uh, If if there's a six foot person in front of me, I'm taking it up her chest. (laughs) I'm I'm going going for that rebound. Yes, sir. I have a lot of heart. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you got to be from New York because you're just tough. I'm like, yeah, I'm diving for the ball. You know, I'm I'm, I'm taking a post up. Like, you know, we're very tough. So, like, I get that about being a New Yorker. Like, you know, you're tough. Oh man, see I see I could just tell I'm already picking you as a teammate boy because that 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 <laughs> type of heart is, is so rare to come by. So I love it. Right. I love it. So I mean, just before we speak about your your college career, when 
was that moment because I feel like every hooper, every athlete in the world has that moment where they was nice at their sport. So for yourself, Corey, whether it was in the park, you did a killer crossover, you did a step back, you even blocked a shot, you, you know, die for the loose ball. Like when was that moment, Corey, you realized that I'm actually nice at basketball? Um, I would have to say the state championships, my junior, uh, yeah, my state, the state championships, maybe my senior year. Um, what happened was, um, we're playing a state championship, we're playing a tough team. And when I mean every girl on that, on that roster had to switch on me is because no one could stop me that game. Okay. I was getting fouled, Damn. I was getting clothesline. I had the crowd, they were chanting Kobe, and I was just like, Oh, I was just like, Wow, like, gosh, I, I you made never it. Got that <laughs> you made it. It's not even like I made it, I'm just like, I was that hungry for that win. I was like, No one can mess with my heart. And I, at that moment, I knew, like, as long as I got that passion and that competitiveness, anything in front of me, no one's gonna stop me. So I think at that moment, I realized, like, you gotta have that heart to do anything. You see, so how much of that personality that dna okay so here's a question right because it's a it's a i don't want to say it's a debate but it's an interesting topic that i like to ask coaches and high level athletes in terms of you know when you look at the greats they have that competitive edge and um it's that question of is it something that coaches can teach or is it something that a player is just um born with so for yourself, like, what spectrum do you fall on or do you have a completely different um, aspect of it? Um, I have a different aspect on it. It can't be teached. You know, I played overseas. I've met other Americans. I play with other people. And, you know, some people got the dog in them and some people don't. And, mm. you know, you look at Kobe, you look at Michael Jordan. It's a product of your environment. So right. the way you're raised, who raises you, you know, who you're around. You know, I come from New York, a bunch of hustlers. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go get it. Kobe comes from, like, he had to go country hopping with his family. And he had to separate himself. He had to be the best. Right. You know, Michael Jordan came, came from not making his high school team for, like, a changing moment. So right. it's, it's definitely, like, a product of your environment, your struggle. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely that. It definitely can't be coached. It can't be. Either you got it or you don't. But yeah, definitely. You see, hold on. I'm gonna just take a real quick time out. Like, surely there must be that one person from is is everyone from New York likely? Because I'm just getting this energy from you. Like, you're just ready for anything, and I'm just thinking like, <laughs> am I gonna go to the states and be like, hey, what's up, sir? I mean, you know, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm doing well. You know, I'm pretty sad right now. But wait a minute, where are you from? New York? Yeah, but you know, I'm just not feeling it today. Like, wait a minute, bro. Like, this don't yeah. match up to what I'm used to seeing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, New York is where a melting pot of different people. So right. if you're from if you're from the five boroughs, you're gonna have a lot of people think I'm timid and I'm shy and you know. So people are like on 10 out here and people are like, people think I'm shy and timid. So like if you're from the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, some Staten Island, like you're gonna get a lot of people in your face, like talkative, social. Then, you know, we have Long Island, we have um, White Plains, that's like further out east. Right. And those are like the shyer people, the more quiet people. Also, they are louder than a typical like other person from the U.S. too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we're loud. We're very loud. <laughs> growing up, right? Who did you um? Who did you? Which team was you favoring? Cause was you kind of more New York Knicks or the New Jersey Nets that later 
transition to the Brooklyn Nets. Like, which which team are you favoring? Um, so growing up, I watched like I, I came up watching uh, Kobe and Shaq. Okay. You know, for winning and winning, and then with um, Jason Kidd at the Nets with Vince Carter mm. and you know T Mac. So I was definitely a huge fan of the Lakers. Then mm. I transitioned to. Uh, the Nets with Vince Carter and uh, Jason Kidd. And then I fell in love with Ray Allen, and that's how I got into OKC, because that's when they drafted KD, Westbrook, Harden. So I've been an OKC fan for the longest, and they separated them. Poor management, I will say. And I'm with the the Brooklyn Nets. If I can get two OKC All-Stars on one team, I'm happy with it. Hey, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I like that thinking. I like yeah. that thinking. Oh, man. So, I mean, the the biggest thing, you know, and it's very fortunate with this podcast because I've been able to really see and get stories on, you know, just how big the transition is from high school to college. And one thing that kind of stood out to me, um, just in terms of you waking up super early, you know, you living two hours from school, so you're traveling to and back. That's four hours in total. So you kind of, I'm... I'm, I'm curious to know if just that time management let's say was that something that you used later on making that transition to college because everything is literally on an hourly um timetable like from six to seven it's weight room seven to eight film then yeah. stretching then you got post game after you and then you got the interviews with the media just in terms of um the transition from high school to college what were some of the things that you knew beforehand but then what were some of the things that you kind of had to pick up on the fly um so the transition to college was pretty easy for me because again I was commuting to school and back all the time so like even with my parents like I come home my parents are already asleep right so you know I got used to like you know having to be out on my own or I would stay at my coach's house when we had to travel during the weekend so the transition to college was pretty easy because I was like kind of I had to grow up in New York you got to grow up quick Mm. so um I got there. Um, of course, everyone's like, oh, the arrogant New Yorker. Why does she keep calling me son? You know, our accent's a lot. <laughs> and, you know, I think I think I had to tone down the New York in me a lot in college because I was in everyone's. I was like, yeah, what's up? What's going on? And they're like, what's wrong with this little cocky girl? Like, she just stop. But, it, you know, I came off as rude, and I'm not rude. It, had, it just took a lot of understanding for people to get to hey, know Hey, talk me. that talk, Corey, man. Come on now. Yeah, so it's like I'm not – people, like, sometimes I will admit, like, I guess some of the way we talk is like rude to some people. And I think I learned that like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be so aggressive when I say something. Mm -hmm. So that was something to adjust to. And also in college, you know, you're gonna lose some games. And I come from a program where you weren't like losing at all. And I'm pissed every time. I'm like, yo, you guys act like this is not normal. Like we're losing. And the girl's like, oh, she's a freshman. She'll get used to it. Like you lose some, you win some. I had to learn that too. Like me, it was all win, 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 win. Right. Definitely something I had to get used to, the losing part, and um, I had to tone down the New Yorkness. Oh, man. See, I can just tell, like, after a loss, Corey, like, hey, yo, 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 dead ass, dead ass, wait, we ain't losing no more, dead ass, like. (laughs) Or I get an L1, stupid. I'm like, what did I say? I was like, oh, I called her stupid. I'm like, I didn't really call her stupid, but (laughs) that's just how we talk, you know? Like, in New York, you say L1, stupid, the other person's laughing, but in Ohio, you know, they get mad at you. My coach made me run before. Because I called her son, but like I wasn't calling her son. She's like, I am not your son. I'm like, I know, but like it's a, it's a figurative speech of son. Like maybe sunshine. I don't know. Right. She, made a, she made me run for that. 
<laughs> oh man so just in in terms of um what would you say i mean you experiencing it at college what would you say are some tips that you know athletes who are making that transition what are some of the things that they need to prepare themselves for but also take into consideration when they make that change um the transition i will say uh never get too comfortable Mm. and you have to never get comfortable if you if you are too comfortable about where you are and your game, then it's not for you because basketball's evolution is, is, is like it, it evolves. So yes. you can never get comfortable. Well you can still get you can get beat by the, the bottom team, the top team. Never get comfortable, mm-hmm. and you're always fighting for something. So don't don't get lazy either. You got to put in the extra work. You have to take care of your body. You know and that's that's all on you. Like the coaches, like you're growing up. So right. um, that's definitely something I would teach the other athletes. Like you know you have to want it as much as your coaches want it too because you know at the end of the day your career rests on the way you're a teammate as a teammate and as a player individually and these coaches too like their jobs are on the line so they bring you in because they they have they see the potential in you you have to show them right yeah so what um because it it just it fascinates me just in terms of being like you said earlier you know you you had your five minutes of fame where you was playing one you had you know multiple um offers from different schools so i mean i'm I'm sure i guess at times or maybe for a split second it can be quite overwhelming but for you what made you pick the school that you attended and you know what were some of the things that you wanted to make sure that the program had to Um, offer you yeah so um i was being recruited by a lot of like uh, mid-major schools some major schools were recruiting me but then weren't really too sure about me okay and um and you know you have to pass a clearinghouse in order to get a scholarship to play right and i was behind on a couple math classes so some schools started to drop out like oh man she's gonna be a juco player so a lot of people didn't believe that i would actually like take another math class and pass like it, it wasn't about passing the math, it was what kind of math I was taking. Okay. So, um, that's the New York is pretty, it's, it's a, New York has a complicated school system for oh, really? college. Yeah, like it's, it's complicated. Public school system here is terrible in New York. So, um, a lot of schools dropped out, and I'm and now I'm an unsigned senior. Mind you, I'm first team, you know, New York State. I'm first team Manhattan, and I'm still not signed to a college. That's crazy. So now, now I'm going to an unsigned senior showcase. And I have, um, I have, you know, at that unsigned senior showcase, I have Ole Miss showing interest. I have uh, James Madison showing interest. And then there's Coach P from Cleveland State, sponsored by New Balance. And she calls me right after my game. She was just like, I have a starting spot for you. And, my gosh. I, and when I was in high school, I didn't start until my junior year. I was on the bench. So I'm traveling four hours a day to sit on a bench for my first two years. Man, you know? two so years. When she's, as we all listen to this, jeez. Yeah, so the like crunch. she told me I was, she told me I was starting, and also the campus isn't too big. Like I told, I, like no matter what, I did not want to go to like an old Miss kind of campus because I was traveling four hours daily to high school. I'm like, if I if I can roll out of bed and just walk to class, is what I want. Right. And right. the coach is like, yeah, we have an inner link. You don't even have to walk out of the um, out of outside. You can just walk through the buildings. So I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. perfect. This is exactly right. what I need. <laughs> right. You know. So that's that's my deciding deciding factor why I went to Cleveland State. You know. So yeah. Okay. Understood. Understood. Now, I mean, you making the decision to turn pro this is something that i'm always curious to know with 
players over in the states because obviously me growing up in london like we obviously know about the olympics but international basketball fiba european men's and women's they kind of like our next door neighbors because our team competes in those leagues so we kind of know of how many leagues there are some of the players that go from overseas to the pros over in the states for yourself before you even turned pro um what, what what was the international basketball exposure like for you in terms of did you know much about basketball outside of the states or did you kind of have to catch up on what was going on um yeah i mean us new york i mean us americans we're just so caught up in america you don't really know what goes on overseas you just go you learn as you go basically like you know right. you start to hear interest after college like you can go pro overseas first league second league euro league euro cup you learn that as you go like mm -hmm. when i first went overseas i didn't even know what cup was i'm like what is cup? like <laughs> right. i do not get it like we're playing the same teams one game eliminated i don't get it right but it's, you really just go at you just you just you know you you learn as you go basically mm -hmm. yeah okay okay now i mean just in in terms of your your passport corey must be looking healthy because you got passport stamps from everywhere in the world yeah. right now so if you could just kind of take us through um your journey just in in terms of the first country that you stopped by the team um how you found playing outside of the states and then you know just the different stops that you made to where you are now um so my first year i played in finland different from new york it's very cold um it's a, it was, i was in a small town maybe like 300 people in a town one grocery store one very boring it's always dark out you know during the winter they're dark almost 24 hours out the day wow um the league transitioning to professionalism like overseas like in europe there's more system basketball so you know you have to learn how to be a better teammate mm -hmm. you know it's not just pure talent but then you also have to pat the dog and you still so when you do get the ball you have to capitalize like you know there's little room for error for americans when we are overseas right. so i had to learn that the hard way as a rookie coming in and i had a very patient coach you know he understood like what's what he's going to give with rookies we had a great first i had a great first year overseas you know we made the playoffs and yeah it was great yeah i know man so how would you um how how did your skills translate to international basketball in terms of what you was good at but again you you kind of said you kind of had to learn to be a better teammate what did some of those lessons and those experiences consist of um so i had to learn about um say for instance like you know we have coaches uh uh, do strength conditioning and stuff like that. You have to do it on your own, okay. for sure. You have to wow. do it on your own. Physio, you know, you have to take care of your body. You, you know, you, no one's going to tell you to take care of your body because you're an adult now, you're working. Right. You know, you don't have coaches telling you what to do or anything like that. You have to learn that. And being a better teammate, you have to learn that, you know, pass, cut, run the plays, but then also, like, you know, be within the offense. You know, I think in uh, America, we got more freedom to, like, you know, mess up and do things, but you know, in Europe, it's like cookie cutters. So you have to really be strict. And with teammates, you have to be social, uh -huh. for sure. You know, uh -huh. I always tell people it's not just about basketball. It's about building relationships, too. Because, you know, you build a relationship with your teammates well said, and you yeah. guys are better on the court. 100%. Indeed. Indeed. So who was, um, I'm curious now, just in terms of you coming up in your playing career, 
who were some of the players that you looked up to and even modeled your game after? Um, I would have to say, I don't know actually. Now that I think about it, um, I have no idea because uh, Steph Curry wasn't really a thing back then, mm-hmm. or Clay Thompson. They weren't really a thing back then, and I definitely wasn't a point guard because I looked up to uh, I looked up to Vince Carter. I'm not a okay. player like him, but I definitely looked up to Vince Carter. I'm mean, very competitive. And I think I looked up to those kind of players, you know, Vince Carter, T-Mac, T-Mac too, for sure. Like, I definitely looked up to T-Mac. T-Mac, Jordan. I think it was just the competitiveness and, like, the, you know, I'm playing a better team right now, but you're not going to get the best of me kind of mentality. And I think that's what really, like, you know, I looked up to. Right. Right. Okay. Now, see, this is the part of the podcast where listeners, I'm sorry, but it is is, is me time now, listeners, okay? Where we're going to get back to the listeners in a, in a hot second but um you know you visited a country that is on my bucket list it's damn near at the top just in, really? in, in in terms of the the history um the fact that the buildings are still there till this day i mean there's just so much to to get from this country and you know you traveling to egypt um Corey, i mean just take it away just in terms of how long you was there for what you got to see, the vibe, um, and just the impression that it left on you. Um, okay, so before I start with Egypt, um, as I was there for work and I wasn't a tourist. So okay. I was I was living there. I was like a resident. So it's different from being a tourist and it's different from living there. Mm. So I was there for two months. Um, I was supposed to, I was there in a 10 month contract, but you know, it didn't work out with my club. Okay. Um, I was 20 minutes from the pyramids. Um, I was 15 minutes from the Konkalili, which is the oldest, like, you know, street wow. market. Um, I got to see the magic lake. The, um, I wasn't able to see much cause I was only there for two months. And again, like I was working. So, right, right. you know, um, it's the way I can ex- ex- describe Egypt is chaotic. Like I'm from New York. <laughs> There's no street lights. Like I'm, I'm like I had to cross a street, and it was like a highway. It's like Damn. crossing a highway. Like it's, it's so chaotic. The sh- wow. It's, there was traffic like 24/7. Um, you know, it, it was it was a huge culture shock for the simple fact that you know it's Muslim culture, mm-hmm. and you know you have to prayer. You know, it's 100 degrees already, so you have to like cover up. Right. Um. But I will say it's a lot more modernized than people think. Um, you know, they had a lot of American restaurants. Um, they had a lot of fancy places on the Nile. Like, you know, you, you read about the Nile in the history books and about the mm-hmm. pyramids and stuff. And then next thing you know, you're eating on a restaurant. You're eating at a restaurant on the Nile where people like use for civilization. It's crazy. That is and crazy. it's one of the biggest like, you know, cargo routes in the world. So like, right. it's, 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 it's really big. Like it's. It's, it's like you learn to appreciate it as you go, but at the same time, like, you know, me being a married, I had to, like, survive out there. I had to make it, because, again, like, my club, it didn't work out. So, you know, a lot of things I had to learn on my own, not speaking the language. Uh-huh. So, you know, it was tough, and the heat out there is, is very, it's bearable, actually. Like, it's very hot, but it's dry heat, so, like, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Okay. The pyramids are amazing. I bet. Um, my goodness. They, yeah, the Konkalili, they have so many things. There's so much history. Like, Egyptians... They love Egypt, and no matter how young they are, they know their history, and they're not going to let it die out. So I think right. that's, that's 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 one thing I will take back from Egypt, and I, I love how they like stick together, and they love Egypt. They even have like traditional food from back then when they were building the pyramids. Still, it's crazy. Wow, like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and I mean, you being 
so well traveled has that kind of um impacted you know just like your own life and how you view certain things um, 100%. You know, I played in third world countries. I played in second world countries. I played in nomadic countries. And one thing I will say about us Americans is that um, we're very, how can I say, high maintenance. We take things for granted. Mm. And I think I came, I came, I came under, I'm from New York and, you know, we have so many, like, we have so many immigrants. We have so many, like, first generation Americans and, you know, people are treated differently in New York. I can't say like we're very diverse, but you know, people are treated differently. And I feel like I understand more people. I understand where you come from. I understand like different language. I cannot assume everyone speaks English. Mm. I can't assume that every place is going to have air condition. You know, these are luxury. This is luxuries that we have in America that other places don't have, you know? So even, even in my apartment building in Germany, like there wasn't no elevator there. I had to walk up all the flights to the top, to the top flight to my apartment every day. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot more grateful. I'm a lot more understanding. Um, I'm very much more open to learning languages. And, you know, like, say, for instance, if I have a friend who speaks Arabic, you know, teach me some Arabic words. I know you want to speak nice. your first tongue, you know? So, yeah, like, definitely more open to a lot of things. That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. And I think just one thing, again, you know, you being a pro, like, what would you say is, you know, again, the, the unseen grind of being a professional athlete just in terms of you know having to keep in touch with your family you know you miss birthdays and you know important events you gotta wake up early you know stick to your routine what would you say is some of the stuff that you know the fans or some of the people that are looking up to you what are some of the stuff that you can say that they don't see um they don't see that us americans we're leaving our whole lives for months Mm. so it's it's, it's, as much as we have to perform on the court, we, we have to live our lives outside of it too. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm, I'm moving thousands of miles away from what I've been used to my whole life. Um, food, language, everything is different. Driving, everything is different. And then I have to go to work and perform every day. I think that's a grind of its own right there. Like a lot of people can't pick up and leave their parents' house and we're leaving the country yeah, to live somewhere for months at a time. So, you know, big up to everybody who's traveling for basketball, for sure. Indeed, indeed, because it is, it is not easy, man. And again, just, just not taking things for granted. Because I mean, even, you know, I, you know, get some questions like coach, like, you know, I got cut from my team or coach, I don't have yeah. a rim you know how can i get better i'm like the fact that you have a ball and an open space like you can make it work you know i mean i've 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 seen kids with a lot less they'll literally connect like a box to a lamppost and that will be their hoop you know for the song so it's just making the best of what you have you know so exactly indeed now i'm super curious like just in in terms of you as a professional what does your day-to-day routine consists of just in terms of workouts you know the drills and most importantly you know you being purposeful in your workouts and you sharpening your tools like what does that look like um so it's different every year you know i'm like i go back and forth between like my school i can work out with the the girls Mm -hmm. or you know i stay back home with my family um this year was different a lot because i took the season off Okay. I took the season off, so I got a job. I was working eight hours a day. So, like, you know, I work eight hours. I go to the gym. I work out, lift, do my cardio. You know, again, you could go to the park. You can shoot on your own, put some shots up. 
And then um, there's trainers you can work with too during a week. It was hard to get into a gym. Um, also, um, in New York, we have a lot of summer leagues too, like Pro-Am. So like you get your reps in the game. So a lot of uh, a lot of waking up early, getting your workout in, going to work, then, mm-hmm. you know, um, getting another workout in, then going to a basketball game. That's, that's pretty much how it is in New York, at least. Because, you know, New York is an expensive um, state to live in. So no matter what, no matter how much you make overseas, you still need to work when you come back home from, like, you know, overseas in right. New York. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. So New York, I mean, from you telling me that, then that statement is true, that New York is the city that never sleeps. Goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> man, oh, man. Now, just before we get into the third and fourth quarter i saw that you was um hooping in the basketball beauties league and i want to say huge shout out to the team and a huge um shout out to jada bavera who i had on the podcast some time ago and even for her you know she just loved getting back into the mix of hooping being competitive trash talking a little bit so for yourself was that your first time competing in that league and if not how did you find that whole experience um it was the first time i played in that league Mm-hmm. Hold on, one moment, sorry. Played in that league. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot different. I think it's a lot more entertainment than basketball. Okay. So, so um, I think that was like a, an adjustment. But, you know, again, like, it's Rucker Park. It's New York. So, like, we have the... Okay. So, we have the we have the New Yorkers who are playing. So, um, the competition is pretty good. It's a lot, of, a lot of entertainment, a lot of dancing, a lot of rapping. You know all that kind of stuff so okay that's, that's pretty cool that's pretty it's cool you know new york you have so many tournaments and it's good that we do have more women's tournaments right you know but the uniforms are fire the uniforms are fire that's true that's true yeah. i'm not gonna lie on that one okay okay now we're just gonna enter the third quarter which i like to call the quick hitter segment so i'm just gonna uh, yeah. ask you some questions and see where you're at with them so the first one Corey, i've got for you is what would you say is a skill that is taught by many, but only mastered by a few. Oh, taught by many, but mastered by a few. Um, 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 okay, I know this answer. I know one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dang it, it's in my head, but I can't say it. Um, it's taught by me, but mastered by a few. Um, competing, competing. There it is. But some, some you can learn to compete, but some people like are really good at competing, you know? Right. Like Olympians, like they're really good at competing and people compete, but they are the best at competing. Right. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. I like that one. I think that's the first actually, so okay. Okay. Hey, okay. Uh, next one is best piece of advice you ever received. Um, The best piece of advice I ever received was um. You know, I had a coach tell me like, what's your legacy? Like uh, a lot of people like to join teams and um, a lot of people like to join teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of teams like to be good. A lot of people like to add on super stack teams and stuff like that. And um, he's just like, what, what, are you, what, are, what are you leaving on the court? Like, what is your mark? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the p- best piece of advice. Like no matter who I play with, where I play it with, you know, I'm going to leave my mark wherever. So yeah. Right. Understood. Uh, next one is, oh, okay. If it wasn't for basketball, I wouldn't have learned filling the blank about myself. 
Um, if it wasn't for basketball, I wouldn't know how social I was. I am because I'm very, I'm like a homebody and very introverted. But then when I'm in basketball and I, I meet a lot of people and I'm just so happy to be around people. So I didn't, it definitely helped with my social skills. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. And the final one before we get to the fourth quarter is what would the title of your autobiography be? Um, uh, it would be, title to my autobiography would be A Queen from Queens. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. In a bookstore near you. I love that. Yep. I love that. Okay. Okay, right. We're going to enter the fourth quarter now. Just before we wrap up, we're going to have um, a little bit of fun now, Corey. Okay. What I do with my guest is um i give them 10 seconds to name five things Ding. so for example i might say corey just an um, example i'm gonna give you 10 seconds to name uh five nba players and when you hear the countdown which will be starting Ten, now nine, that's okay. when you just start seven listing them out six, okay five. yeah cool yeah Okay, so let's get it. Okay, first one, let's start nice and easy. Corey, you've got 10 seconds to name five NBA players. Okay, uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Tracy McGrady, Jason Kidd. Easy, buddy, with seven seconds left. Okay, okay. (laughs) Next one, 10 seconds to name five NBA teams. Okay, um, we got Brooklyn Nets, New York Knicks, Oklahoma City, Milwaukee Bucks, Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Okay, five, okay, okay. (laughs) Next one, okay, I'm gonna give you the heads up. This third one, guests in the past have kind of fumbled, but you know what, you being from New York, I think you're gonna know this uh, a little bit more. These names are mentioned in NBA conversations, but they're okay. only mentioned uh, when they reach a certain part of the postseason. I'll give you that much. So, 10 Ooh. seconds to name five NBA coaches. Ooh. Okay. Um, Steve Nash, Greg Parkovich, uh, Doc Rivers. Here we go. Um, 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 Mark Jackson. Here we go. Um, and DeAndre the dude from the So close. So yeah. close. Okay. Next one. Last three. Okay. I'm going to give you 10 seconds, Corey, to name five international players in the NBA. Five international players in the Ten, NBA. Okay. Nine. Um, eight, Marcus Seven. Um, six, um, shoot. Five, uh, Tony four, uh, in the NBA right now. Yo. Oh, shoot. Two, Marcus All. One. Um, Patty Mills. <laughs> oh, dang it. I was about to name all the old ones, like Tim Duncan, Tony Parker. I was about to go like for the older ones. Dang it. So good. So good. Okay. Last two now. These two should be easy because it's really down to personal preference. So for the last okay. two, let's see if we can finish strong. Okay. I'm going to give you 10 seconds, Corey, to, for you to give me your top five players of all time. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, Magic Johnson, Ten, Larry nine, Bird, Michael eight, Jordan, seven, Kobe, six, and... Five, four, three, 
Jason Kidd. Oh, Jason Kidd. Interesting. Okay. Yo, he's so he's so underrated. Y'all look up his stat line. He's so underrated. He beat everybody. He's still like top five in so many categories. Ooh, you talking that talk. I like that one. I like <laughs> that one. Okay. And the final ones. This is gonna. I'm, I'm intrigued to see uh, who you name for this last one. So ten okay. seconds to name five artists that get you hyped before a game. Okay. Oh, all Ten. New Yorkers. <laughs> they, uh, Jay-Z, Jay-Z fabulous. Yes, sir. Um, I got Meek Mill from Philly, and Nicki Minaj. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. New Yorker Philly stand up. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, listen, seriously, this was truly a gem, a professional yeah. who does it at the highest level and don't worry listeners all the info is going to be in the description but listeners and Corey for those who are listening I want to see what you got going on where can they find you um yeah so I will be playing in Luxembourg this season for Acela um my Instagram is clovely15 it's pronounced clovely15 and I'm actually starting a, a blogging page called Fourth Quarter Chronicles because you know I see I see life in quarters. Like, you know, first quarter, second quarter, you're in halftime, like either you're down twenty or up twenty. Mm-hmm. And you know, in my career, you know, I'm almost hitting thirty, so I think I'm in the fourth quarter. I like that. I like yeah. that. Listeners, this was an absolute pleasure. This is myself and a queen from Queens, Corey Coleman signing out thank you so much